0: In the name of God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Would all those up through the 12th grade please come forward. you yeah, girl. Bum, bump, bump. <laughs> Good morning. How's everybody? Hey, how many of you? what did y'all do last night? Anything? Sleep. Sleep. Did, well, I know. Before you went to sleep, <laughs> did you go out to a movie or did you just stay home and rest or stand up? Did you drive anywhere? Did you went to? A movie. Went to a, did you drive? No. You didn't drive. Why didn't you drive? You don't have a driver's license. Uh, you think your mom and dad would trust you to drive right now? Caroline, you drive? Mm-hmm. Not yet. Not yet, huh? Not yet. So, what would help you, all of you, for when you drive? You drive. So, what would help you? What would help you, your mom and dad, to trust you now to help them let you drive later on? What, what kinds of things would you have to show? would you tell me? Um, you have to be good at home. You have to be responsible. You have to be responsible, Connor. You, uh, you have to be responsible and honest. So if you don't take care of your toys and if you don't clean up your room now, why do you think your mom and dad are going to trust you later when you, when, when you want to drive the, the family car, but you keep your room a mess and you, keep, and you tear up your toys, do so you think your mom and dad are going to let you drive the car? Probably not, right? I mean, you might grow a little bit between now and then, but I tell you what, if, if you don't take, take care of your stuff right now and, and do the things that your mom and dad want you to do now... It's going to be difficult for them to trust you later when you want to drive and go to the movie or go somewhere. And it's the same way with friends. If you don't love your brother and your sister or your mom and your dad or your friends or even even those that you don't really like, if you don't love them like Jesus tells us to love them, if you don't love them now, then it might not be easy later on. But if you really love them now, I think you might be a good husband or a good wife someday because you're already learning how to love. You're already learning how to take care of friendships and relationships. But if you're not learning and if you really have a hard time with your brothers and sisters and are always fighting and hitting each other, and then it, it might, you might not have good relationships later on. That's the way it works. God says, Jesus says, you know, if, if you can't trust you in the little things, we can't trust you in the big things. So we, your parents, God, all of us, we have to trust you. You have to trust us in the little things, like don't tell lies and, and be friends and, and, and learn how to love one another. Then, and then God will trust us in the big things. And our parents will trust us in the big things. I mean, it's that simple, really. We start practicing right now is what I mean. You don't wait until you get big to have a to be faithful to your wife and to your hus- or to your husband. You start practicing love right now, even at your age. You start practicing how to love one another. And now the Holy Spirit helps us a whole lot because he lives in us. But we have to allow the Holy Spirit to help us love one another. I know we get irritated with one another, but sometimes the Lord helps us to move beyond that irritation. And reach out in love anyway. So practice those things. Practice, 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 practice. Practice makes perfect. Well, not really perfect, but it helps a lot, really. Practice, 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 okay? All right. Thank you for coming up. Thank you. If you want to get a packet from Mr. Music over here, he will you can color and you can color and listen. Thank you, Connor. Good morning. Good morning. I was just looking at, I forgot something in my announcements, so I was making sure that I remembered. Uh, Recently, I just, I uh, discovered a story that, oh, no, sorry, jokes first. So a guy spots a a sign outside of a house that reads, talking dog for sale. Intrigued, he walks in and he asks the dog, so what have you done with your life? And the dog says, I've led a very full life. I've lived in the Alps rescuing avalanche victims. I've served my country in Iraq. I, and now I spend my days reading to the residents of a re- retirement home. And this guy that walks in off the street is flabbergasted. And he asks the dog's owner, why on earth would you want to get rid of an incredible dog like that? And the owner says, Because he's a liar. He never did any of that. (laughs) How did you know I had a dog joke? You weren't here at the early service. A woman goes to a walk-in clinic where she's being seen by a very young, new doctor and after about three minutes in the examination room, the young doctor tells her that she's with child. She's, she's pregnant. And she bursts out of the room screaming as she runs down the hall. An older doctor stops her and asks what the problem is, and she tells him what happened. And after listening, he had her sit down and told her to be calm and relax in another exam room. And the doctor marches down the hallway back to where the first doctor was and demands, what's the matter with you? Mrs. Terry is 61 years old, has four grown children, seven grandchildren, and you tell her she's pregnant? And the young doctor continues looking at his clipboard, and without even looking up, he says, does she still have the hiccups? Evidently, most of you didn't get that. <laughs> so now, recently, I discovered a story that touched my heart. Whether it's a true story or not, I really do not know. It probably belongs in the in the uh, category of urban legend. But whatever the case, it makes a good point. The story is about a man who was driving home from work one day in rush hour traffic, when suddenly his car began to choke and sputter and the engine just died. Fortunately, the man was able to coast into a service station. He tried his engine again, it wouldn't even turn over. As he pulled out his cell phone to call for a tow truck, he saw a young woman come out of the convenience store that was connected to the gas station and it looked as if she had slipped on some ice and fell into a gas pump. So the man, he gets out of his car and he goes over to check on her. And as he approaches her, he realized that she had not slipped at all but had slumped against the gas pump and was crying. And she looked tired, she looked anxious as she slumped over the gas pump. And the man noticed that she had dropped a nickel, and so he picked it up and he handed it to her. And at that moment, it just all came into focus for him, the crying woman, the old worn-out suburban, crammed full of stuff with three kids in the back, one in a car seat, and the gas pump reading $4.95. He asked her if she needed needed any help, Was she okay? And she said, I don't want my children to see me crying." The gas pump was blocking her view from the car. She said she was driving to California. Her boyfriend had left her two or three months earlier. She'd not been able to make ends meet. And in desperation, she had called her parents with whom she had not spoken in five years. They lived in California and they said she could come live with them until she could get back on her feet. And so she packed everything that she owned in her car and with very little money in her purse, she was trying to make it to California. And the man said to her, and when you slumped against the gas pump, you were praying, weren't you? Obviously you were because God heard you and sent me. And with that, the man, he took out his credit card and he swiped it through the reader on the gas pump so that she could fill up her Suburban completely. And while it it was fueling, he walked over to the McDonald's next door and bought two big bags of food with some gift certificates that they could use later, and he bought a big cup of coffee for her. And the young woman gave the food to the kids in the car, and they attacked it like hungry wolves. Next, the man gave the young woman his gloves and a gentle hug. And then he said a quick prayer for their safety on the road. And he wished them well. And he turned to go back to his car. And the woman said to him, what are you, some, some kind of angel or something? And the man said, no, at this time of year, angels are really busy. So sometimes God uses regular people like me. Now, when I first saw this story as I was preparing this sermon, it reminded me of the parable of the unjust steward from our gospel reading today. Because we see here that God can use regular people and sometimes not so regular people. In fact, God can use scoundrels if he wants to. Let me repeat the parable for you in modern terms. There was a middle-aged man who was in trouble with his boss. It seems he'd been caught wasting, squandering the company's resources, taking a few dollars here and a few dollars there, taking kickbacks from some of the company's biggest supplier. It all added up. And now the time had come for him to be given that dreaded pink slip. Just a few days, he would be finished. He would be out the door. And the man was mortified, as any person would be. He knew that at his age in life, it would be very difficult to get another job, particularly at the pay scale to which he had grown accustomed. Unemployment benefits, they might help for a while, but what would he do when the benefits ran out? This man was facing disaster. Now, thus far in the telling of this parable, we can relate because many of us have faced this kind of crisis before. And in fact, some of us may be in the middle of this kind of crisis right now, hopefully not the dishonest part, but the job part. This particular man in the parable hit upon this ingenious plan, and I don't recommend it to you. He was in charge of collections for his company. In the short time he had remaining with his employer, he decided to call each of his employer's creditors to offer them a deal. Boy, have I got a deal for you, he would say to them. He told them he was leaving his current position to find a new opportunity. And in order to keep their goodwill, he was going to offer them a deal that they just couldn't refuse. And the deal was this. If they would pay their bills immediately, they could settle their accounts for 60 cents on the dollar. And folks, there's really not a whole lot wrong with that. When my brother and I owned a business and we had a cash flow problem, we would offer our customers a certain percentage off the total of the invoice if they would pay it early. And most of the big companies often took advantage of that and paid it early. But in this case, the man did it so that his boss's clients would owe him something of a favor. And here's the problem. This particular man assured the creditors with his fingers crossed that he had been authorized by his boss to make this offer. So what happens next in the parable? Well, let's use our imaginations for a moment. Those clients who had been given discounts on their outstanding balances were so grateful that they went straight to the boss's home to thank him and to congratulate him for being such a generous person. After all, times were tough. It would have been very tough and real hardship for each of these clients to pay their balances in full this reduction was a huge relief to them. So they could hardly believe that this man was so generous. It was a sight of him that they had never seen before. And one of the clients even wanted to make him man of the year for his act of generosity. And of course, the boss, he didn't have the slightest idea of what was going on. He, he never told the man he had fired to reduce balances on those accounts. But as the boss gave more thought to what had happened, he realized that he had been outsmarted by his employer, and now he, or his employee, and now he was in this awkward situation. And so he had two options. He could have his employee just thrown in jail, tell all the clients standing out in the front yard who were praising him for his act of generosity that a mistake had been made and that they still owed the full amount, or he could say nothing and gain a reputation for being the most understanding, generous man. After all, it was not everyone who received the honor of becoming man of the year. And so by the time the boss caught up with the man he had fired, he was no longer angry with him. The boss even commended this clever man because he acted so shrewdly. So now, instead of being out of work with no prospect for a job the man had a new opportunity to better himself. And I'd like to believe that given this second chance, the clever man would no longer waste company resources. Now, a lot of people have a problem with this parable, but I believe that Jesus must have had a whole lot of fun telling it because it doubtless shocked a lot of people. In fact, scholars have debated the meaning of this parable for centuries some say it's about money and the reason is is this don't worship money don't put material things before God put your trust in God don't put your trust in money use your money for the good not to do bad and others say it's a contrast parable or an if only parable And the meaning in this story would be expressed like this. If only Christian people were as eager and ingenious and imaginative in their attempt to serve God and do good as worldly people are in their attempts to attain money and comfort, the church would be stronger and the world would be a better place. Still others say this parable is about stewardship and the responsibility we all have as stewards of our master. And then others say that this parable is about grace and I find myself resonating with this one because in many ways the unjust steward, listen to this, the unjust steward reminds me of the prodigal son Whose parable is told immediately before this parable? Last week we heard about the one lost sheep and the one lost coin, and then Jesus immediately tells about the parable of the prodigal son after those two parables. The parable about the lost son who came to his senses, the parable of the lost son after he had squandered all of his inheritance money from his father and returned to the father today we hear about the unjust lost steward who had squandered the very same greek word found in the other parable all of his boss's money the steward did things that were selfish and wrong and so did the prodigal son the steward misused his master's money and so did the prodigal son The steward ended up in trouble and then came to his senses, and so did the prodigal son. The steward was reconciled and celebrated in the end, and so was the prodigal son. And neither of them deserved reconciliation. Both of these stories remind us that we cannot earn forgiveness. We cannot merit redemption. We cannot win reconciliation reconciliation can only come when the one who has been wrong says you have done me wrong you have hurt me deeply but I love you and I forgive you and that is called amazing grace now folks you and I we have been given precious gifts the gift of the good news of Jesus Christ and the message of salvation we have been given the precious property of the message of forgiveness the precious property of God's love and mercy and grace, the precious property of our families, the precious property of church. Our God is a God of forgiveness and second chances who loves us more than anything. And so if you've become like the manager in today's parable or even like the prodigal son who takes his inheritance and runs away Or the steward who cooks the books by squandering precious property. The property God has put into our care. If you've been like those people, then there's still hope. God wants to give you, God wants to give me another chance. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And that's the only way it can come. Because he loves us. And he wants us us to have redemption and it takes forgiveness and grace from god in the name of the father and of the son and of the holy spirit amen